Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Well, I guess we're back. It's officially a thing. When we were driving home from Windsor the other week, we said this podcast was going to happen. The Farwell and Pope podcast about all things OHL. We take you on the road with us. Why are you calling this episode one, Pope? Well, because the first one was just like a, hey, you, this is what's going on. It wasn't really a full-out episode. But we recorded it. It's there. It it lives now in podcast infamy. Yeah, it's just a welcome. This is episode two. No, it's episode one. You can't start at episode zero. It's no, not it's, like the it's welcome. Just, it's the welcome, welcome doesn't count? It's just welcome. This is episode one. This is episode two. Welcome to episode one of the Farwell and Pope podcast. The first episode was driving along the 401 behind a transport truck after a Rangers victory in Windsor. Welcome to episode one of the Farwell and Pope podcast. He's Pope. I'm Farwell. We will bring you all things OHL. Try to get you inside the buildings and into the cities that you may not have traveled to, or maybe you have, and you can relive those memories with us as we chat about the league. Uh, biggest story, obviously, right in our own backyard. We, of course, are the broadcast tandem for the Kitchener Rangers and the organization, in very sudden fashion, uh, relieved their assistant coach, Matthew Barnaby, of his duties. You, you know this much. When the release from the team is two sentences long and the second sentence says, best of luck in your future endeavors... This was not an amicable parting. It, it, there's no way it could have been. I mean, if it comes five games into the regular season and the team is citing philosophical differences, I, it's a little wish-washy, if that's a, if that's a term. I'm just not sure as to exactly what happened between uh, Matthew Barnaby and the Kitchener Rangers, and I don't think we may ever know. It's uh, Philosophical differences is an interesting take on this, considering Matthew Barnaby's already been there for a full season. And as you mentioned, five games into this season, so he had begun another one. And, uh, and suddenly the uh, philosophical differences were there. We don't know a whole lot more than you do at this point. It came of as much of a surprise to us. We left the team, obviously, after a great, gritty road win in Erie on Saturday night, and uh, we saw the news come down on Tuesday? Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. The same as everybody else. That's right, because I was at a University of Waterloo event, and I heard my phone just buzzing away in my pocket. I was like an hour behind this news because I was was doing something else. Anyway, the, the other, the only thing we can really glean any insight from is social media of all things and and if you look at Matthew Barnaby's Twitter and I'm sure I'm not the only one who has uh he he says things happen for a reason and this has been an evil necessity a must to grow and learn I am so proud of our relationship over the last year and he also made an interesting comment Barnaby did never leave children unsupervised they can make bad decisions so that suggests to me see i didn't think was that tweet part of what's going on or was that something that you know it's tough to decipher whether all of his tweets in that role because there was a couple hours 
That's true. There was a couple hours between those between thoughts. them, right? So I don't know if the, and and it's so easy to to understand or to to believe that that had something to do with what he's talking about uh, previously and after. I just didn't know if that was something you know off the cuff if he was making jokes about something else or. But anyway, it, it, if it does have something to do with it, it's very interesting. That's that's a good point by you. That led me to believe. But you're right. The uh, the time in between. The, uh, the tweets is, is yeah. curious, but I, that led me to believe that something had happened away from the ring, right. away from whatever. Anyway, that's that's all we can, as I said, this is as much of a surprise to us uh, as it is to you. And some of the players have, have responded on social media as well. Well, and I, I think it came as uh, much of a surprise to some of the players as well. You, you mentioned that. I just want to mention real quick, despite you being an hour behind, 570 had comments from the general manager first around the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Connor Hall That's tweet- how it should be. That's how it should well, be. Well, this is where you come to get your news. There you go. Especially when it comes to the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, Connor Hall tweeted, Want to thank Matthew Barnaby. Very tough to see such a great coach and friend go. I know that we as players and organization respected you a lot with everything you did to teach us how to be pros. Thanks for everything, Barnes. We wish you the best. And Connor Hall and the coaching staff, Connor Hall is just such a awesome guy away from the rink and in person. He has a really good relationship with head coach Jay McKee and Matthew Mar- Matthew Barnaby. So that one didn't surprise me. It, it surprised me a bit for a player to come to the defense of an assistant coach who was fired. But even more so, Logan Stanley, who just got here a couple games ago, hasn't known Matthew Barnaby that long. He put out a tweet. Just want to say thank you to a good friend and great coach. The character and dedication you brought to our team was unbelievable. I know all the boys are going to miss you on the bench and in the room. You're a great guy. See you down the road, Barney. Cheers. For two veterans to come out on social media, also NHL drafted players, to defend a coach that was fired. You don't see that every day. Well, I think what you are seeing in that is that this was clearly not an issue between Matthew Barnaby and his players. There's no way it could be. If I see Connor Hall and Logan Stanley sending out tweets saying how much Barney brought to this team and in the room and how much they valued his his leadership and his mentorship, it's very easy for people in the OHL and NHL draft picks to just, oh, hum, on to the next one. They're worried about their game. To send out a tweet like that? You didn't, we don't see a lot of those tweets when coaches are let go. So obviously he did, he had a good relationship with the players. The Kitchener Rangers are uh, off to a fairly good start at 3-1-1 one, and one on this season so far. A lot of expectation coming into the year. I think rightly so for obvious reasons with a, with a young team that is kind of on that uptrend in the junior hockey cycle. And it will be interesting to see how this impacts them. Uh, better now to rip the Band-Aid off, obviously, than, than midway through a season. But Matthew Barnaby and, and head coach Jay McKee are great friends. We know now a little bit more, and you and I have been able to see the relationship between Matthew Barnaby and the players. Uh, hopefully, and I'm 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 saying this as half a fan, quite frankly. Uh, I've grown up around this team. Hopefully, it doesn't derail what should be a very good season in Kitchener. Too much. It was obviously a move that needed to be made. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't a move that Mike McKenzie wanted to make. Or if he did, he felt that it needed to be done. It wasn't like a wish wash. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. This obviously needed to be made. You fired an assistant coach five games into the season while you sit in first place in a year that everyone believes that you're going to go for it. Right. Interesting to say the least. Uh, another move the Kitchener Rangers made this week is Dylan Seitz clearing waivers and off he goes to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's Moncton Wildcats, where he, by the way, 
rejoins former Kitchener Ranger while they never knew each other. I think Darren Rumble was playing before Sightsee was born, but Darren Rumble is the coach out in Moncton, former Kitchener Ranger, and he's got Dylan Sights now in his uh, stable. Patrick McNeil, who calls games for the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, sent me a note to say, hey, what are we going to get out of this Dylan Sights kid? And I said, first thing I said was sandpaper. He's a tough kid. Uh, and I, I think that'll go really well in the queue. A little impulsive still as a, as a young player, but uh, this is a guy that, that brought a, a certain element to the Rangers game. And in my opinion, Chris, just didn't this forward core right now is too deep for him to come back into after his injury. 100%. It, 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 I'm sure it just came down to numbers, and there's a couple guys on this team that have that type of grit there that are just younger um, and maybe better skaters. And I think that's the way that the team viewed it. And good on the Kitchener Rangers for allowing Dylan Seitz to land in the queue or in another major junior hockey market. Exactly. He stays in the CHL to play at this level. I think that's great. Let the kids play. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, We have to move on with the interview portion of uh, the Pope and Farwell podcast here. And uh, Oh, sorry. Did I I say that wrong? You did. The Farwell and Pope podcast. You see what I work with? By the the time we get to episode four, this is only episode two. This is episode one, and you're worried about naming it. Jeez episode two uh we had a chance to sit down before the kitchener rangers game last friday versus owen sound and uh and we brought about 80 years plus of ohl experience into our booth i'm a little disappointed in the quality i so we apologize i'm going to apologize for that i don't think popper apologizes for anything i apologize no you know what we should have done better and we know we could have done better it was just When you have two legends like that, we didn't want to disrupt right. what they were doing. And it's only episode two. This will get better. And it, we, we, yeah, we sacrificed quality for uh, people that are awesome. Exactly. And, and so I, I hope you don't have too much. I don't think you will have too much trouble hearing this. It's Again, we will improve this as we go along. But uh, as a kid who grew up in Kitchener, I, I listened to Don Cameron all the time. And I had the... I had the privilege of of working with him for a number of years as I've carved out my career in the Ontario Hockey League. And then uh, Freddie Wallace, Fast Freddie, as they like to call him up in Owen Sound, and some of his friends will call him, uh, has been calling games for the Owen Sound organization as long as there has been an Owen Sound organization. And uh, and you would have experienced his calls from the other end of the radio when you were younger, Chris. Uh, of course, I just got to know Freddie around the rinks, and, and he's got his, you know, legendary status mm-hmm. cemented as well 100 percent. my my uncles played in on or my uncle played in on sound and uh even him as a youngster just the way he talked about freddie and my aunt and uncle have lived in on sound my entire life so i've always kind of followed the the platers slash attack and my my buddy was scott Tregana, former kitchen ranger captain of the on sound attack so you, you get to know fred wallace's voice and anyone who you talk to from on sound knows fred wallace and they, it's not just that they know him, it's that they think that they and Fred are best friends, right? Oh, I know Fred. Let me, let me go introduce you to Fred Wallace. I'm like, yeah, I, I know Fred. Fred, I don't know if Fred knows everyone's name in on sound, but if he doesn't, everyone knows his name. You're he just s- has that type of personality. He's awesome. So right about that. I was talking to a fellow broadcaster here in the region of Waterloo who said, oh, Freddie, how is he? He's the man that everybody want, every other man wants to be and the man that every woman wants to be with. And this was coming from a woman. So uh, I, I got to give it credit to like Fred's one of those guys that when I first introduced myself, I was like, oh, my God, it's Fred Wallace. Yeah. So I go and introduce myself. I don't see him for another three months. Walks in. Hey, Chris. Oh my God, he knows my name. I have a similar story about Don Cameron and a gesture he made to me 
uh, early in my broadcasting career. Maybe I'll save that for the end of the, the interview, the, the chat. It's not even so much an interview. You just wind these guys up and let them go. Yeah, we just went, so guys, here. Right. So, <laughs> so as we try to establish our own credibility as people you can come to for information on the Ontario Hockey League, we thought we'd sit down and just get a couple of legends wound up and talking about the game as they, have, as they see it today and as they have seen it over the years. So here is Don Cameron, 53 years as the voice of the Kitchener Rangers, and Fast Freddie Wallace into his 29th season of Owen Sound Hockey. On the Farwell and Pope podcast. Well, that's a good name for it. We should keep that. Yeah. Episode okay. one. Two. Look at this, Don. Imagine. I can't believe how far we've come. This is the thing. From the first time in this league all those years ago, here we sit recording electronically for the internet. Imagine that. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have <laughs> thought? <laughs> first of all, a question to both of you guys. Obviously, I, I know you guys don't probably don't like me using this word, but both legends in both broadcasting when it comes to the OHL and just covering the league. How does it feel calling games together? Uh, how did we fall into it? Or how does it how does it feel sitting next to Fred and Fred? How does it feel sitting next to Don? Just feels like uh, just like old times. <laughs> I think it's just uh, it's it's good to be you know be around a team and a league for a long time because you get to know all the people associated with all the teams and you get a uh, a feeling that. Uh, you're going to be able to continue doing this and you're going to be welcome in all these buildings and you're going to see players come and go that uh, come in at 16 and at 36 they're retiring and you're saying, how come I'm still hanging around? <laughs> for me, for me, Chris, it's, it's a treat and, and we did this as, as a tribute game to uh, to Don back your first year off and it, you know it was it was sort of a, a concept for Manny Pava and and we thought okay let's do that let's have Don on one and what what makes you know would make more sense than having the longtime voice of the Kitchener Rangers do a game and Manny and I on the drive home that night both said the same thing we went wow you know Don opens his mouth and uh, you you see you hear the Kitchener Rangers so it, it became instead of one game it's become four a year plus a playoff series last year and like I say for me a treat might be an understatement. Admit it, Freddie. You're trying to take ratings away from our broadcast and take them over to yours, right? Well, you know, you know what, what really is interesting is tomorrow is the reaction that I'll get back in Owen Sound because there's enough transplanted Kitchener-Waterloo people in, in Owen Sound and area that'll come up to my booth and say, oh. So, you know, it, it's obviously they may be gone, but you haven't been forgotten. Well, they may, they may even say, uh, what happened, Fred? What, uh, where'd you get this guy? You know? <laughs> What's he doing? Because this is Owen Sound's second game of the season first one on the road so uh they're uh, they're wondering where's fred and uh, it's just something that uh if it helps make a fred's got a machine going when down there that is an operation that i've never seen before one man doing it and to do that in one man it's 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 almost impossible, but you make it possible. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And then it's the building of, of 29 years. It's 29 years coming into this building, London, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, what started probably back in 1989 with one piece of paper, Don, has now become this much uh, uh, thickness. So, 
Fred, let's let's go back to what you said about people will come up to your booth tomorrow. You got smallest market in the Ontario Hockey League, but I always get the sense that's what this league is all about. It's got that grassroots feel to it, and you are a connection and a conduit to this team wherever you are. And, and I think the radio is too, Mike. Uh, uh, you, you can't underestimate radio in Owen Sound because the cable system in Owen Sound only goes to the city borders. So there are people in Tara, Wyerton, Port Elgin, etc., that don't have access to the game on cable. There are people in Owen Sound that that will turn down the cable and listen to us, even though you know we'll be a few seconds faster on on the relay, that sort of thing. So I, I, I think that's where you know we get a lot of our clout and a lot of our, our push. And I think that, that that's the power of radio. That that uh, you know as good as you may want your professionalism to to be, the radio is what what makes it stand out. One thing that uh, comes to mind in all of this is that over the years, you know, we, we go to all the buildings and you can sit back and say, I'm from Kitchener or I'm from Olin Sound or whatever it is, and I'm in the newspaper or I'm in television or whatever it is, and just sit there and go do your job and hide away from everybody. But if the media gets together, I get some information over the years from Fred on what's going on in Owen Sound, or you talk to the TV guys and you get some idea or whatever the case may be. But as the coaches and players are one big family now because of the modern technology, uh, we in the business are one in one as well. So it's, it's, it's really quite helpful to walk into a building and say, hi, Fred, how's it going? What's new with Owen Sound? And you'd say, you won't believe it. You know, so, but it, it goes on like that. And, it, and it's a comfort zone going into the building. There was, there was always a couple that weren't comfort zones, but in time they, they became that way. You know, uh, I know Gary Doyle, when he was working with me, didn't have uh, good friends in the road trip to Plymouth, but uh, hey, it is what it is. You yeah. know? And I, that's all right. Mike doesn't have any good friends anywhere, Don. Yeah, come on, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, we, we decided to do this podcast, and the, the idea of it is to kind of take the fan on the road because we hear a lot of what's it like traveling, you know, to go up to North Bay or down to Flint. Um, I got a lighthearted question for both of you. 50-plus years for Don, 30 years for you, Fred. Have you guys figured out a good way to sleep on a bus? No, but I do. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I can vouch. I got more kinks in my neck than anything. And uh, the only time I'm very wide awake is when we're going across that bridge heading for Sault Ste. Marie. It's a dangerous one. It is still scary. I, I, I've had never never had any trouble sleeping, and I think it's uh, the hours that I keep. You know, I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, and there are lots of days that the Owen Sound bus won't be out of Rockford or Springmount at, at the exterior edge of the, the city, and I'm out, and I'm I'm gone for 90 minutes. So I've never had any trouble in it, and it sometimes puzzles me at home that one dog barking or one guy hammering can keep me up when I can sleep with a you know a movie going and kids coming and going. But on the bus, sleep's never been an issue. Did you ever imagine, either of you, we'll start with you, Fred, when you began this journey, that you'd still be on it 
three decades later, five decades later in Don's case? I, I'd hope so. I, I you know, I, I probably hope that. And, and then, you know, we're approaching a milestone year in Owen Sound, uh, you know, a, a year from now. And I think that's a nice round number. And, and there'll be some thought, you know, is 30 when, when you call an end to it. No. You know, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's one of those things. You know, it, it, there, there's lots of Friday nights on the road when you think that, well, I kind of would have liked to have done this, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, did, I, did I see 30 years? Probably not, but I would have liked 30 years. And, and I'm happy that we're 29 and climbing. Uh, when I stepped aside, I'm still not retired yet, uh, <laughs> I was 79, and that made 60 years in the business. And uh, I wondered when I started in it, I was either going to university or take the job at the radio station for $28 a week. And I said, that's real money. That's what I make <laughs> that's now. <real> money. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up... Uh, Saying, well, I always wanted to get into business, and I wanted to stay in it. And through it all, I, I really have found a lot of uh, things that I enjoyed, like certainly the broadcasting, uh, certainly the time I spent with the TV station as well. When they, you know, they, they moved you around doing a variety of things, and and the hockey has always been there. There is nothing. In my mind, nothing like game day. You get up in the morning, if you're going into work, I would be going into work about 6, 6 or 6.30. And I'd already be pumped up for the game. Yeah. I was ready, you know. And, and my wife knew that too, and she'd say, would you kindly just slow down? But game day is the thing. It, it builds right up, we're going to the game shortly, and then it slowly collapses at the end as we walk out of an empty building. We come into an empty building and leave it for an empty building. And then two fingers of scotch when you get home. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the coolest stories I got to work on in my radio career was when Don stepped aside, not retired, stepped aside. I got to interview Don and ask him a couple questions, but I remember wondering how many kilometers has Don traveled on a bus? And I did the rough math, and it came to almost enough to get to the moon and back. So, Freddie, you're on your way back from the moon, so you got to keep going after next year. Right, don't, well, don't think about hanging I, up the I, hat. I can tell you this, that I had to sleep at the border one time uh, coming from Erie, so my, my trip to the moon and back got delayed for about eight hours one night. <laughs> oh, no. That's rough. No, there's, there's some, uh, there's been some rough rides for uh, all of us, particularly you've had some strange ones that geographically how Owen Sound gets to Sudbury or whatever it is, they're strange. And the Rangers, because we are in a hub, we're, we're very fortunate because there's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of uh, London, Sarnia, those are all rather simple trips. Of course, uh, there's, a, there's a few road trips of the year and guys like Fred or even guys like the Sioux, they can say, what the heck are you guys complaining about? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can tell you distinctly, one Sunday afternoon, Manny Pavin and I were coming out of Brampton, and we played 3-3, three and three, and it was a Sunday afternoon game. And Mike and, and you were in Sault Ste. Marie, and you were doing a 3-3. Three and three. You'd, you'd been at home on the Friday, Saginaw, Sault Ste. Marie, and you were saying that, you know, this is your first 3-3 three and three on the season. And for Owen Sound, that, that particular day, it was our seventh. Oh. And, and Manny and I yeah. pulled over on the side of the road because we were laughing, yeah. and we started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you realized what it was. Yeah, I thought, oh. <laughs> Can you pick out from all the time behind the mic, all the time in the rink, a highlight? 
Oh, for me, it's easy. Jared Maiden's goal. That's what I you thought. Know, yeah. you know, I remember the call, Fred. Yeah. I remember the call. You know, it, it would take something really spectacular for that to bypass for me. You know, there's been great moments, certainly. Uh, over 29 years, you'd hope so. But, uh, you know, that's that put the bar so very high. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know. There's, a, there's so many of them, and yet there's some very unusual ones. There was one here where we were into a game, and... Uh, all of a sudden, the announcer comes to evacuate the building. So I'm telling them back at the station at the main control that I've got to sign off now. We've all got to leave the building. I don't know what the problem was, but eventually it solved. We could back in and did the game and finish the game. But it was weird. Uh, there was another time we weren't doing the game. It was an exhibition NHL game, and a squirrel ended up uh, committing suicide by <laughs> getting blown off a telephone pole and all the power went out here. You know, it, the, the, the next great moment for me, it, you know, just talking about the squirrel and the bizarre stuff you, you, you see. Like, I, I think there's a book to be written by broadcasters in this league and writers in this league. Your first game, your worst game, uh, your best memory, and, and the most bizarre. And the most bizarre for me was we were going to Plymouth for a 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon game, and, and everybody was in a pretty good mood because this was 2004, and Owen Sound was on a good run. And there was a, a dispute going on with the bus company, and the thought was they were sending us less than good drivers. And our driver quit at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Owen Sound. And you know that that's seven blocks from the arena. And I'm looking at the watch at quarter to eight in the morning going, how are we going to get to Plymouth with no driver? Oh, man. There were some strange things like that. We had one that, uh, in Ottawa. He was kind of a cowboy, too. He uh, He's rolling along, and he makes a turn, and somebody said, where are you going? Well, this is a shortcut. He wheels in there, and it's a parking lot behind a big building. How do you get out of here now? And so whoever was the coach and or manager at the time, they stayed away for the rest of the trip. But, uh, we've also had some very good uh, conscientious drivers sure. over the years that'll, that'll go to the next mile to, to help you out. But uh, if anything, if I had one thing I would do, and I understand uh, Sheldon Keith did it in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, he picked uh, players, not, not rookies, players to clean the bus each time. And it didn't matter who you were. And if I were uh, running a hockey team, I would have the players clean that bus and the captains responsible for it. Because I will tell you, some of the buses are, that we, we've had have been just a mess. I mean, these kids are used to mom and dad doing everything for them. And uh, they'll find out later on that's not the case when they get to the pro leagues. Speaking of the players, obviously being in the league for a while is, is it's a, probably a tough question, but who was the best player that you saw at the junior level? Maybe not the best player once they got to the NHL, but who was the most dominant player you guys saw individually in the OHL when they were in the league? I would say I'm, I'm from the Rangers side, it would be Brian Bellows. He, uh, he had a good pro career. But he was very dominant. He, I mean, he was dominant. He came in at 16, and he was a big guy that didn't look fast until you tried to catch him. And I remember one interview he did with uh, oh, the talk show host on Channel 11 uh, many, many years ago. And he, 
he asked Bellows, did he expect to score 50 goals in the NHL? And Bellows said, I didn't score 50 in June. <laughs> Why would I get 50 in the NHL? Yeah. But he was, he was the epitome of a leader. They made him captain in his first year. It was a, an ugly scene. Joe McDonnell was the captain. And Orville Tessier took the C off the sweater and gave it to Bellows. And the team went to the Memorial Cup that year in Windsor, and they lost it uh, to Cornwall in the final. Next year, they went all the way. And Bellows, Bellows was so dominant that many times he was ignored as a star or ignored for what he had put into the Ranger team and his leadership role, etc., etc. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of good ones went through Kitchener, but I would say... From uh, pure domination, it was him. I don't. I don't know with us whether it's Bobby Ryan or Joey Hishin. Yeah, I thought Hishin might come up. Yeah, yeah. Brad, Brad Richardson was was very good, and, and Andre Sakara. So you know, and Kirk Mulvey. So there, there's my five. You know, those, you know, in sound. In terms of the league, I, I think I have to go with Eric Lindros because he was so big, so dominant when he played those two years as a young guy in Oshawa. And then the one thing that's that's really sort of unfortunate about the league is I would have liked to have seen Jordan Stahl play his full term in Peterborough because as a 17-year-old on that Pete's team in, in 05-06, he really was something to watch. And it seemed every time that I watched the Peterborough game, especially in that series with Barry, he did something that put him stood him above the rest. So, you know, it, it's, it's a tough question. You're right. And I don't know that there ever is an answer. We're ignoring such as Wayne Gretzky. Bobby Smith, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Gretzky was uh, amazing in the sense that he comes in in one year, and we had the old press room over in the far corner, and everybody was there. To, we're all going to get an interview, and we're all talking and blabbling away. And I look over in the corner, Gretzky's kind of standing there looking at, who are these guys? Yeah. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is, he was well spoken then, and Bobby Smith was another that. Uh, was well spoken and a tremendously entertaining hockey player, and uh, I think he's one of the owners now of the Halifax team in the Quebec Junior League. Let me, let me throw in Connor McDavid too, and I'll say in, in 29 years in Owen Sound, the Payne public has bought tickets to see Eric Lindros fill that building and see Connor McDavid. So I, I think those are the two, and and maybe honorable mention to John Tavares when when he got traded to London because you know people will come to the games because they hate London. Yeah. Some of them will come because <laughs> the lights are on, and, and Tavares was the third attraction there. Yeah. We got to let you guys broadcast okay, the game. You. This could go on forever. Final question: uh, Is the game today okay? Is this junior game okay? I'm sure you've seen lots of changes. Yeah, the technology is, is is the most amazing change to me over the course of my 29 years. You know, where there, I'll, I'll give you an example. Rob Pearson was traded to uh, from Belleville to Oshawa. We found out about it on the Tuesday. Now, you know, with with Twitter and, and with all these devices, five seconds after that deal's done, it's it's on somebody's wires. So so that's that's the big change there. Is it a better league now? I, I would suggest it's a faster league. Is it a safer league? It's hard to say because, you know, let, uh, Don and I have talked about this before. The first concussion I ever saw was Len Devono, and I'd never seen one before, and I didn't see many. Now it's become not not frequent or common, but you have to be more cautious. So is it a better league? I, I'm going to say yes, and the potential is there for it to be even better. I think so, too. I think, I think they've got to keep uh, their eyes on what the problems can be, and concussions is one of those things. That means the players have to be wary and they have to respect their opponents. But no doubt, uh, just in the last five, six years, I've noticed the speed of the junior game 
as reflected on the speed that goes into the NHL game now. They're both faster, uh, probably in many cases more exciting. And just when you say, well, all the good guys are in the NHL, you look around tonight, you're going to see some pretty good hockey players out there tonight on both these teams, and they keep on coming. No stopping these young stars. There's always there's going to be another Connor McDavid. There's going to be another Sidney Crosby, no matter what you say. Gentlemen, I speak for Mike, and I, I know that the both of us grew up listening to the both of you, so this has been awesome. Like, I could sit here all night. I really Forget the game. Let's just talk. Thanks, guys. Are there any parting gifts? <laughs> so there you have it. Don Cameron, Fast Freddie Wallace. Uh, I, I wish we could still be talking to them. I was really hoping they had a solution to sleeping on the bus next to you. <laughs> next to me? <laughs> yeah. Even if you had your own bench, you'd find it hard. No, I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, feel free to use my shoulder. It's been done in the past. If anyone's curious, I just lean forward on the seat in front of me. I've noticed that. Rest my head there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad, I just actually. pass out. How's the back of your neck, though? Oh, it's fine. Okay. The problem is, is the fabric on the chairs eventually leaves a dent on my forehead or right. my, my whole head. Yeah, you and I have um, a lot of five yeah, head up yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of room for dentage. So you almost have to wake up like 15 minutes before you're ever going to get anywhere and just kind of rub it. So the skin pops back out. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to watch for you doing that to uh, get ready for a broadcast yeah. moving forward. Uh, so I just wanted to tell you real quick about Don Cameron. When I was a, a young broadcaster, I was actually at my first full-time job working out in British Columbia. And I was, a, I was a DJ. I was spinning tunes. Celine Dion, Phil Collins, Elton John out there at the time. And I wanted to break into sports. I thought, well, how am I going to break into sports? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out how to break into sports because I'm going to write Don Cameron a letter. And yes, this is back in the infancy of email, okay? It, it, we might not have even had email yet, uh, at least not in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, where I was working. So I, I wrote Don Cameron a letter. He was working at CKCO-TV in, in Kitchener at the time. And the son of a gun wrote me back. Like, I basically said to him, I would like to do your job someday. How do I go about doing that? And the man took the time to write a letter back to me. I remember it coming on an old dot matrix printer printout because you could tell he had peeled off the the, uh, the the spools on the side of the pages and, and by the, the font, right? That's how he had, he had uh, generated the letter to send back to me. The fool that I am, I never kept it, but I never, I'm, I'll never forget that story. The man that would reach out like that at the stage of his career, he could have just said, piss off. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. He wrote me back. That's that a genuine human being. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. He's, he's the best. There's no way around it. This That's has, why he's the legend. It is, right? That's yeah. why there's a room named after him at yeah. the Memorial two. Auditorium. Two. That's yeah. right. <laughs> two. Because <laughs> when you're that good, you need two, two rooms. Do you want to tease what we're talking about next week? Who we're talking to? Ooh. It's another pretty legendary name. In the words of LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to work on these references. You and I have talked about this off the air. Why? We're covering all bases. You got your Rush references. I'll pick up the 1990s hip-hop. It's true. I did, I did drop a Celine Dion in there already, didn't I? <laughs> okay, and you're worried about LL Cool J. All right. The- George Burnett. There. Oh. How's that for a tease? Well, there you go. I get- <laughs> Cat's out of the bag, isn't it? <laughs> all right. George will join us on the next edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. If that he will says be- yes. He's going to say yes. <laughs> Great. Now you... Now he brings that up. Hopefully, George Burnett will join us for the uh, Farwell and Pope podcast, episode three. This has been episode two. One. Follow us on Twitter, Farwell underscore OHL. And at underscore Chris Pope. A lot of underscores in there. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that's the Farwell and Pope podcast.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.